Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The Manage Smarter Show is brought to you by SalesCred, the sales skill building solution that empowers sales teams worldwide to multiply sales opportunities by improving perception, accelerating trust building, and by earning repeat business. Get the best selling book by C. Lee Smith, download the free mobile app, and now sign up for the SalesCred Masterclasses. Book your session now at salescred.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. One thing I don't think we've talked about on this show, and it's almost like the elephant in the room, Lee, is, okay, mm. so you're selling, you have your products and services, you got your ICP, your rock star salespeople, and everything's cranking along. And then, like, you realize that you're not really hitting the goals and stuff that you're selling is not, nobody's buying it or they're buying it not at the level you think they should. What's wrong? What's wrong? Well, you know, yeah, the, 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 there's a slowdown in the economy at the time of, of this recording. Uh, that you have to deal with. The B2B sales cycle has only gotten longer. Uh, you know, in many categories of business, it takes more people you know, than it used to than to make a decision to spend any kind of money. And so that certainly impacts sales. But I have, you know, but, but there's a few other reasons why, why this may be happening. And I hope today's guest will shed some light on that. That's right. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I'm the CEO of Sales Fuel. All right. So Stephanie Navinskas is going to solve all your problems on this topic. <laughs> In <laughs> no just pressure. 20 minutes. In just, just 20 minutes. minutes. <laughs> the CEO of Sizzle Force Marketing. What a great name for a company. An agency that helps scaling companies get noticed and attract more clients on a daily basis since 1995. She's developed and executed brand building campaigns for companies, including Starbucks, NFL, Quicksilver, and thousands of small businesses. A story brand certified guide, and our listeners know what story brand is. We remember we mm -hmm. we did a whole podcast on it. And certified partner of digital marketer Stephanie has written for Forbes and Entrepreneur, as has Lee Entrepreneur. And she is the author of the international number one bestseller, Absolutely Unforgettable: The Entrepreneur's Guide to Creating a Heart Center Brand and Standing Out in a Noisy World. Stephanie, thank you for coming today. You're coming to our rescue. Oh, well, thanks for having me. This is such a thrill to be on your show. So what, where do we start? I mean, so stuff's not, what's the, the canary in the coal mine where somebody comes to you and says, I don't, I don't know what's wrong. Like I, I, I've done all the best practices. We think we're doing everything right. Yeah, but... What are we doing wrong? <laughs> okay. So there, I think there's five potential oh, explanations. So, okay. Explanation number one, why more people aren't buying what you saw. Your message isn't resonating with them at an emotional level. It might resonate with them at a logical level, but it's not getting to the heart. And I can dig into all of these in just a minute with more detail if you'd like. Okay. Um, that's the overview of number one. Number two is you're giving up too soon. Okay. Um, number three, you lack social proof. Number four, 
you're promoting features, not benefits. And <laughs> five, you're not giving people a good enough reason to get off the fence and make a decision. Well, certainly on that last one, you know, the biggest objection that salespeople face basically is not necessarily the competition, not even necessarily price. It's uh, not, you know, the, the biggest obstacle is, eh, I'm fine doing what I'm doing. I don't need to make a change. I don't have to do anything. So mm -hmm. it's like that fifth one that bites a lot of people. You it want to start there? Helps. Yeah, let's yeah. start in reverse order. Let's just. Yeah, let's reverse engineer it, right? Um, yeah, you know what? There's a reason why coupons forever have had expiration dates on them. There's a reason why every time you go to book a flight these days, it will say only two seats left, yeah. right? There's a reason why there are deadlines on things and why people say, well, the cart is closing tomorrow. That is all because we need to have a sense of urgency to get us off the fence. People are procrastinators by human nature. We just are, right? And the busier we are, the more distracted we get. You know, we have 15,000 things pulling for our attention all at the same time. And so if you really want to get my attention and get me into a place where I'm going to make a decision, you got to give me a reason to like zero in on it and be like, okay, wait, it's, it's decision day. Okay, this has to happen and this has to happen now, or I have to be willing to deal with the consequences of not making a decision. Right. Yeah, and consequences is the one thing that salespeople, sales managers, you know, I think don't focus enough on, you know, because it's like, you know, we talk about the benefits. Oh, you'll be able to do this. You'll be able to solve that problem. You'll be able to look good in front of your boss, blah, blah, blah. And, th and that's great. But, you know, people go to the dentist when, when their tooth hurts. You know, much sore than, more so than just going in for the regular checkup and, and their cleanings and everything like that. Some people do, but most people don't. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I think that's a very good point. We buy when we're in pain, yeah. right? Now, the pain, you know, whether or not it's a life-threatening pain or a physical pain, like you're talking about, like my tooth hurts, or it's an emotional pain, or it's mm -hmm. just pain of simple inconvenience, it's the simple pain of, you know, this is frustrating to me. You know, it can, it, it can, there's a wide range of a pain level. Nonetheless, pain is pain. People don't like pain. People put band-aids when things hurt, right? People put band-aids on, right? Uh, some people will dress the wound. Some people will get surgery. People treat it in different ways, but we have to, um, agitate pain. And we also have to give people a sense of urgency to solve the pain. Interesting. Well, how do you overcome the objection if, um, if you have a product or service that is um, something that requires the person to learn a new process or a new software or a new whatever? And they just, I don't want to, I don't want to have to change what I'm doing and learn something new. Well, what's what it cost not to do that? Right? What's the cost of inaction, okay? Because there's a reason that you're even considering this new software. There's a reason you did a demo of it. There's a reason that you looked at the website. There's a reason mm -hmm. you made the call. There's something, something ignited your interest in it. Why were you even interested in it to begin with? What's happening? If your solution that you have right now is so awesome, then you wouldn't be looking around, right? I, 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 let's be real. 
Right. So I think that, um, you know, when people say things like that, our job is to, um, you know, mitigate the concerns of overwhelm, mitigate the concerns of, you know, excessive time commitment, or, you know, this is going to cause all kinds of problems with my staff. And, you know, it's a much bigger thing. It doesn't only affect me, it affects my whole department, which affects all the other departments and blah, blah, blah. Um, And we need to be able to say, look, here's the pain point that you had originally that made you interested in this software. And if you continue to use this, you're going to continue to experience this pain point and make it worse. And are you ready for that? If you're okay with that, then you know what? You shouldn't jump the fence, right? You should stay right where you're at and and do it, you know, knowingly that that's the decision you've made and good for you. I wish you all the best, okay? So yeah, number four was features, not benefits. And I think that's that's something that a lot of people are familiar with. We all know it, but sometimes mm-hmm. we still do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't want to belabor that point. I want to jump right into to the next one because that's, that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, when I talk a lot about sales credibility, I talk about social proof as it relates then to the salesperson. But a company credibility, the company's credibility also then, or the co- product's credibility, uh, actually impacts the salesperson's credibility. And even if it's a, a company that the salesperson no longer works at, it shows up on the LinkedIn, that, the, the, it shows up on the customer roles. And what people say about you from the past, and it's like if you work for a dubious company or a company that doesn't have a great reputation or a great brand, you know, it rubs off on you the wrong way. So it's like, yeah, let's talk about lack of social proof. Yeah. So, I, you know, I am a firm believer that social proof is the reason that most of us do many of the things that we do, mm-hmm. right? Have, have you ever been to uh, a site or a conference or, you know, whatever, it, a car dealership. Okay. You're going to buy anything, whether it's B2C, B2B, doesn't matter. Okay. And you'll see something or you'll hear something where they say, well, join 29,000 other fans that have eaten breakfast here. Right. Or, um, you know, one million Elvis fans can't be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, or even, you know, going on LinkedIn, looking at someone's profile, going on the, um, on Google and seeing, you know, their Google business page and they have, you know, 11,000 positive reviews, right? Or you have 78 personal recommendations on LinkedIn or whatever it is, okay? Right. Um, there is, there's something about, this all ties back to human behavior, right? Mm-hmm. All of these things. There's something about when we see a crowd doing something else that makes us say, oh, is there, I'm feeling FOMO, what's happening over there? Mm-hmm. I can tell you, I was in New York City two days ago, right? And I was in Times Square, which is a complete and total zoo at all times of day, sure. right? So I'm I'm hanging out, I'm walking in Times Square. My husband and I are just cruising around, taking in all the sights. And then we see this huge circle of people in the middle of Times Square, right? And everybody is cheering and hooting and hollering. And we're like, what's happening over there? Okay. Now, if like Times Square is ADD on like. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right? It's like ADD. ADD overdosed on steroids. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was looking for on steroids. It's ADD on steroids times a billion, right? 
But all these people were gathered in this one circle looking at these two street performers and they were hooting and hollering. And so what did we do? Did we go to the 15 billion things that we're trying to get our attention in Times Square? No, we stopped. And I was like, what's happening over there? We got to go look at that. Oh, look at those guys. Oh, wow. They're good dancers. Oh, wow. You know what, babe? You should give them a tip. Throw some money in their guitar case. One thing led to another, right? It is human nature. We see other people doing something and we subconsciously start to believe, oh, they're probably into something. They're probably onto Mm -hmm. something and I don't want to miss it. So nothing, nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. And, and I, I, I harken back then to the days of whenever they would release a new iPhone at the Apple store and there'd always be the long lines there, and you'd see the long lines and then they would cover the long lines on the news. So everybody was familiar with, look at all these people lined up to get the, the latest iPhone. Oh my God, maybe I should upgrade mine. You know, yeah, so it's like yeah. that, that, that stuff really works and it works online as well mm-hmm. as it does in real life. Yeah. So I always tell people, I'm like, you've got to make securing social proof part of your marketing strategy. And you have to be very intentional about it. You can't leave it to chance if someone's in the right mood to leave a recommendation or a review that's in your favor, right? You need to go after it um, intentionally and asking people, you know, if you're on a Zoom call with a client, you have a sales rep that's on a Zoom call with a client, right? Or an account manager that's helping someone do something, right? And if the client is in this place where they're so happy with your product or service and they're like, oh my gosh, I just love it. It's so great. It's helped me in this way and that way and the other way. And they're like, oh, that's great. I'm so happy it's helping you. Okay. That's when you say, hey, would you mind if, um, could you just repeat that? Say that again. And could I have your permission to share this little clip with other people? And I I do this all the time when I am working with my clients. And because people are in their happy place, they're already praising the solution Mm -hmm. that you provided for them. They're they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah, I'd be happy to tell, you know, let you share that. And so I'll just be like, and then the next thing out of their mouth is, let me go put my lipstick on or I don't, (laughs) you know, can I, can I do it later? I'm not wearing the right clothes. And I'll say, no, you know what? I want you to be authentic. Uh, I, I I don't want a professional production with a review, right? I want something that looks like you're a real person in a real scene because that's believable, right? So yeah, I, that is that is key. Get social proof and go after it intentionally. Don't just wait for it to happen by chance. Love it. Oh, n- go ahead, number Lee. two. Yeah, number two, yeah, number two is is interesting. I've had some thoughts on this one. Giving up too soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me more about that. Okay, so 2% of sales come after the first meeting. That's a statistical uh, fact. Okay, 2%, right? If you meet with a prospect one time, getting the yes that you're looking for, and then giving up and starting... And I should say not getting the yes that you're looking for and then giving up and starting over with someone else, you are leaving tons of money, tons Mm -hmm. of opportunity on the table, right? So there's another stat, only 20% of leads are followed up on 20%, which is shocking. So what happens to the other 80% of prospects that we have, right? Well, I guess your competitors are getting them 
right? Like, wait, what? <laughs> or you're disorganized and you don't yeah. work your CRM in a methodical way. Or you're sending them over to marketing, then they hit them up with emails and try to warm up the leads there as you think they're cold. So Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, salespeople, um, 44% of them give up after one no. Uh, 22% give up after, and I should say another 22% give up after two no's. Um, after three no's, another 14% give up. After four no's, another 12% fall off, right? Literally, there's 8% that are willing to do the job for five or more uh, attempts to make a sale. Yeah, so there's another angle to that, though, in the fact that, you know, some of the best salespeople that that, that we consult with and we work with are, are impatient. Mm. Uh, and so what happens is it's like, you know, they'll do the, the five to seven to nine touches and everything like that. And, 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 and if they keep getting nose and everything like that, uh, at some point in time, you have diminishing returns and you're throwing good time after bad time. And, and the better salespeople then know when to cut bait and then move on to something else. And, and what you were saying is like some don't know when to cut bait and they cut it too soon. Right. But it's like at some point, but what also other bad salespeople, whatever, just keep calling and calling and mm-hmm. calling, you know, on, on people that are never going to buy or they don't have the urgency. They don't have the budget. They don't have the need or, you know, maybe they just don't trust you. Uh, right. But it's like, you know, and they just keep, you know, banging their head up against the wall. And so there, there's got to be there's that happy medium right there in the middle mm-hmm. with, you know, Sticking with it long enough to get the results, but also then realizing you're not going to get the results and move on to something else that will get you the results. Does that make sense? Absolutely. There is a balance. There's a fine line to walk there on on when you need to, you know, I I think it's an intuitive thing for a more experienced salesperson. Like you can tell when somebody is actually interested in their objections or legit and Mm -hmm. something that you can overcome versus they're just making excuses because they're afraid to say no, or they're Mm -hmm. just not answering you at all. They're ignoring you and you don't exist. You know what I mean? So I I think we just need to get really, really, really good at listening to people and hearing what they're saying to us and being like, hmm, is this a legitimate uh, objection? Or is this an excuse from someone who has a hard time saying no? I'll give you a good example of that. I had to buy a car last week because I got in an accident. And um, this there's a lot of dealerships that want you to buy a car sight unseen. They don't even have it on the lot. You can't test drive it. Well, test drive it. Well, you don't know from me sitting down, but Lee knows I'm very tall. I'm Scandinavian. I'm six foot one. I can't buy a car I haven't sat in. And Imagine a giraffe driven. behind a steering wheel. A giraffe behind a steering <laughs> wheel is what I tell everybody. And this guy kept calling from this dealership. And finally he got the, I I said, I told you, I said, listen, I am not buying a car. I cannot test drive period. End of story. And he went away and he hasn't bothered me since because there was no way he could get around that. It was a total dead end. And I appreciated him taking the cue that, you know, we're Mm -hmm. just going to agree to disagree. He initially tried to talk me into buying it and then taking it home. And I'm like, why would I do that? It's a major. Right. Anyway, we got a couple minutes left. Let's go to number one. This is perfect. We got all five in 20 minutes. I love it. So yeah, this is the area where you and I actually have 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 a, have a common interest because I do a master class on selling with AI and EQ. And you know, the thing that I noticed about it and, and all the work I've done, no matter how you 
write the prompts and everything like that. It's it's like it has you know good IQ, good enough to pass some tests and everything like that, but very limited EQ. And you know, as salespeople, as managers, as human beings, it's like you know we can't sacrifice then our ability and our desire uh, to be human because it's so critical in sales. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 90% of uh, purchases are based on emotions. So if we are not appealing to the emotions, well, good luck. Right. My husband mm-hmm. always argues with me every time he hears me say that. He's like, no, he's, I right. don't buy based on emotions. I, that's a woman thing. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. You are so wrong, bro. Okay, so prove him wrong. Okay, so what would be your retort to that? Okay, so here's what I, well, I'll give him all kinds of examples of when he he did buy on his emotions, right? But I will tell you, you know, I think I am a firm believer there's five emotional motivators that prompt people to pull out their wallet over and over and over again. Okay. First, First one is pride, right? If a specific purchase is going to make them look smarter or faster or richer or better than somebody else, they might be inclined to buy it if pride is a core motivator for them, right? Uh, Another one is they want uh, their life to get better in some way, right? Now, if this is their life at work, if this is simplifying a process at work or making them able to do something they couldn't do before, or it's buying, you know, something personally, right? You, you got a new car accident. You need a new car, right? It's going to make your life better if you have a car, right? Um, that will be a motivator. Okay. Um, you know, if we go back to looking at Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, needs yeah. right? I mean, it's something that all of us studied in college, maybe some people even in high school, right? It was, it all revolved around the things that motivate people to take action. Don't blow that off. as just like college theory, right? It's actually true, right? Um, That sense of belonging, that's another huge motivator. If somebody feels like, oh, well, you know, this is why people are able to sell masterminds, like join my professional mastermind for $50,000 a year, (laughs) because you want to be in the club, right? Um, The fourth fourth one is security, right? Um, If someone feels unsafe, you know, if if something is making them insecure, that's going to make them buy. And then, and then the last one is fear. It's FOMO, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to look stupid. No one wants to miss out on an opportunity. Nobody wants to feel unwanted. Um, I think that fear is the most powerful motivator, right? So when you show your ideal clients that your product or service will help them obliterate their fears, you're on the brink of a sale. Or 20. Or 40. Or, <laughs> or, or, or a billion. Let's be ex- exponential, shall we? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this yeah. has been great. Stephanie, yeah. it's uh, sizzleforce.com is your website. And um, how do you like people to reach out to you? You've also got a Facebook and a LinkedIn. Stephanie Naviskis, Naviskis is your LinkedIn. Yes, yes. LinkedIn is great. Come to the website. Follow us on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. But yeah, no, LinkedIn is kind of my playground right now. And you're a fractional CMO. You want to get, hit us up real quick with uh, what that entails? Sure. Yeah. It, you know, a big corporation has all the people in the C-suite, the, the CFO, the CEO, whatever. The CMO is the chief marketing officer. 
Uh, smaller companies usually don't have a budget for a CMO, but they have a desperate need for a CMO to come to the table with the strategy and the big picture vision of how to grow the company. And uh, so as a fractional CMO, I do that uh, on a part-time basis for multiple companies. So you get the same level of talent that you would if you had an in-house CMO, but you get to share me at a fraction of the price with other companies. And there you go. (laughs) Fantastic. So if you'd like to reach out to Stephanie, that's how you do it. And uh, boy, this has been great. So everybody analyze all the great info and the five elements and, you know, figure it out. She's just given you all the tools you need. Stephanie, thank you so much. Uh, You're welcome. Thank you. Go make yourself some money now. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.